0: As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures, with the human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Jacob Laney, current Creative Director at Things for Humans. So join us as we explore his journey. So today I'm joined by Jacob, how are you?
1: I'm really well, thank you. It's been so nice to just be around the people again enjoying video games in Melbourne.
0: Yeah, I would actually wholeheartedly agree with that. This packs, I guess the first one we've had in, in years, but it's kind of been weird seeing people face to face and I mean, I don't know, I guess we're both sitting here maskless at the moment. But it's been weird even not seeing masks with hundreds of thousands of people rolling through this weekend. But I assume you've had pe- plenty of people playing your game over the course of the week or weekend.
1: Yeah, I've been really stoked at how many people have stopped by, whether they sit and play the game or whether they watch other people play, you know, just wanting to wish list it or listen to the music on Spotify. Um, And in particular, when people stop and they hear the name of the game, a Halloween Valentine or they see the sign, they're like, wait, wait, what? It's Halloween, but Valentine's Day. Um, That just really like, I don't know, sparks my creative soul. It's very, very nice to hear that. I'm totally stoked.
0: And justifies a lot of decisions you've made already, right? Not just stoking the creative soul, but going, yeah, okay, nailed it.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, I I really believe in this game, and I think I have something really strong, but to have it, you know, out in the wild and hear and see people respond to it in real time is, yeah, it's really reaffirming, and I'm I'm really stoked that I got to.
0: So this is Dev Diary Series. We talk to developers from around the globe. They share their stories, their experiences, and the journey that's led to this current point in time. Now we're going to get to this amazingly named Halloween Valentine shortly. But before we get to all of that, I'd love to rewind to a point well before the the creation of games and talk about some of your consumption of them prior. Do you recall what some of the first games were that you played and how things kind of evolved as you were growing up?
1: Yes, of course. (laughs) So I, you know, when I was probably five or six, that's when, you know, Legend of Zelda games came out on the Nintendo 64. So of course, Ocarina of Time is a staple, but the first game that I ever owned was Majora's Mask and... That game you know, has a real darkness and emotional side to it and it's, it's very odd. So that really influenced, I think, the, the kind of games that I liked. So when Banjo-Kazooie came out, that was a very natural progression and that had a real mix of that kind of darkness and weirdness, but also a lot of comedy. That was the first time that I'd really seen that much comedy in a game. Um, so as I, as I kind of grew older, I did, you know, play the Halos and, you know, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and that kind of stuff. But I think it was those Nintendo 64 games that just gave me that real, those weird, strange worlds.
0: Yeah. There is a quirk to them. That's kind of hard to quantify in some ways. And something that I guess when we talk about things like Banjo and stuff, I feel like Rare specifically hasn't found, even though they've been gone for, they've probably been at Microsoft more than they were with Nintendo at this point, but yeah, I feel like they haven't really found that, even with the vivid piñatas and CFTs. It's a different sort of feel that they've got, but yeah, something that was very unique back in that, I don't know, golden era of, of Rare.
1: Yeah, and it, it kind of makes me wonder whether, you know, the restrictions of the Nintendo 64, you know, like in terms of graphics or development time and, and money or the kind of engines that they were using, how that influenced their game design decisions Um, And I think a big part of it, you know, for me, I guess, being a musician and that's a big part of my games, the music in those games was really, really something special and I think a real reason that we got so drawn into it. Whereas games in general, I think, you know, AAA games' as budgets have gotten bigger. I think we've lost some of that because there's a bit more of a focus on, like, fidelity as opposed to just writing a damn good song.
0: I mean, and profitability in a lot of ways. So, how, how are things going to help our bottom line? That often clouds a lot of elements of video game development these days, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, um, I, 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 think, I think that's really right. Um, and just, yeah, I don't know. I would love to go back in time and just sit in their studios and see how they, the, they made those early 64 games, how they really came out with that magic.
0: When money was no objective whatsoever, it, what what a novelty, right? We'll we'll see how. Well, I guess it's probably a luxurious space that you're in to a degree in the indie space. So there is that that freedom that you can that you can have. Now we're going to talk about some of those games. Surely you've worked on quite a few really 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 fascinating games, and obviously Halloween Valentine is here on the show floor as we record from PAX. Uh, but. Was there a, and obviously you spoke about being a musician, was that kind of the first and foremost thing or was was it games that kind of put you on this path and the music that kind of went along with it or like what was the sequence of these things, how did you find your way towards actually developing games?
1: Sure. I I mean, when I was maybe 10 or 11, I started learning the the piano. My mom taught me the basics of it. But my dream was to become the lead guitarist of Evanescence. You know, I was right at that age where like, you know, Bring Me to Life had just come out and I was just discovering music. Exactly, exactly. So that really led me down the path of being a musician, um, being a singer. I started writing my own songs. My dad, you know, I think maybe when I was 15, for my 15th birthday, he started buying me music like recording equipment, I still have like the original microphone stand that he bought for me then. Nice. That's like 15 years old now. Um, so music was really my main path, my main passion. And it, it still is, I think, the the deepest. The yeah, the core of what I do. And, you know, I really love game development. But if I don't do that for the rest of my life, I will be okay. But if I don't do music for the rest of my life, I just don't see that as a possibility. So music was really the first and foremost thing. Um, but coming to games, it's just another way that I can express myself and escalate the kind of messages and stories I want to tell through music. So to me, it feels like quite a natural progression as a creative, even though they're very different um, art forms, you know, in their technicality and how they're built.
0: Yeah, but then you're obviously yeah, blending them together in some, in some really fascinating ways and uh, ways that we're not really seeing that many other developers, uh, big or small, really attempt, I guess, when I think about the way music is integrated in some games, you know, whether it's licensed or someone's own music, I think more about a, like a Rayman Legends, for example, With the, I mean, the one that everyone thinks about is kind of how they use Black Betty in that case, So you think of Sackboy's Big Adventure and the couple licensed things that they drop in there, but the way you're implementing the music in-game in there and really, I guess, the way that the action complements that is, is really, really fascinating, and I guess, without diving super deep into the nature of the game, we'll get to all that shortly... The feedback from fans so far, at Pax. How have they been responding to that experience, which is going to stick out compared to I think everything else on the show floor? It's been really
1: exciting to see how much they connect with and like the music while they're playing the while they're playing the game. Um, you know w- what I think is special about games is how it can really bring you into a flow state, um, and music can kind of do that as well you know, when you go out dancing or when you go see a rock band or as a musician when you when you, when you you play. So being able to kind of put players in a bit of a flow state with puzzle problem solving yeah. and then add a music element on top of that to kind of escalate it, I think is really strong and to see people respond to it in the way that I'd hoped and then be able to really recognize how much they enjoyed the music in that experience is... Yeah, it really gives me a lot of confidence
0: that, that there is really something here and something we can push a bit further too. Yeah, and it's it's something that's present in even pre- previous titles as well, being Human Rights and, and Video World. How did you come to realise that blending these two very distinct art forms that obviously kind of can intermingle, but how did you realise that that was the path for you? You obviously had your love of music that um, predates the the love of creating games, but how did you realise that those two could actually go together in in a way that's well, that you're working on these days, but is, again, really quite unique?
1: I had a serious sit-down talk with myself um, and I said, Jake, you need to choose one. You cannot have two separate careers in the creative arts. That is crazy. Um, unsustainable. Yes, it, totally unsustainable. And then myself turned around and said, no, no, <laughs> I do want both. So I guess, you know, I kind of decided that I wanted to still pursue both of these things very, very deeply. And the only way that I could do that sustainably and manageably was to try and put them together in a way. So it started with a little bit of experimenting, like, is this a music project that has interactive lyric videos? Is this a video game project um, with an artist attached? Is it, yeah, I'd, it took quite a while to work out kind of what it was. Is, yeah. Yeah, um, but then I also had a bit of encouragement um, from Liam Roud and Meredith Hall, who were both previously from Film Victoria or um, Vic Screen now, and they just showed some passion for what I was doing, and they said, you should come up with something and just go apply for some funding. We need this. Um, So I did, and that just, I guess, led me to push myself to try something new and just really see what I could come up
0: with. That's fantastic. And yeah, I mean, we've had Meredith on the show in the past, and she was fantastic, and talking about the the sorts of projects that she was getting involved with in that capacity. And, yeah, that that sentiment that you've kind of expressed there was really what she was mirroring in terms of what their their conversations look like when they're talking to various developers, big or small or whatever. So it's awesome to hear how that synchronizes nicely as well. Um, So prior to Things for Humans and your own work in that space, there is Signal Space Lab along the way. Um, How'd that come about? Because that's also there in Quebec, is that right? So how did that actually emerge in the first place?
1: I really love telling this story, actually. Oh, well, I'm so looking forward yeah, to so um, I, I moved to Montreal for student exchange, actually, and while I was there, you know, within the first few weeks, I'd made a couple of friends, um, and I got invited to the like Wa- Warner Brothers Studios was throwing a party. I got invited, like on the Warner Brothers lot. Uh well it was like on their rooftop in montreal like their yeah their game studio i got invited to that so i just went and i thought you know what i've i've no stakes i hate the networking thing i'm just going to talk to people and so i met a producer there um he was one of the producers for far cry 3 and he brought that up and i was like you know what not even gonna talk about it i just asked him about his kids and we had a great yarn Didn't see him again. A few months later, I'm volunteering at this co-working space to get a free desk Then I'm just working on like this really terrible mobile game (laughs) I was making. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And then suddenly he shows up and we kind of like acknowledge each each other. And suddenly he advertises for a design role for a music game prototype. And I was like, oh, I've got this. Even though I had no skills at that point. So I applied for it anyway, um, had a great conversation with him, and he just took a chance on me, I guess, that he saw the enthusiasm I had or this kind of crossover of passions. Um, So he brought me on board for a really short amount of prototyping. Um, He, you know, taught me a lot, and when I didn't check builds properly, he would let me know. Um, But anyway, we seemed to work together well, the prototyping went well, and then Signal Space Lab, you know, asked me to stay on... Uh, more permanently as a designer. Um, So that really led to me, you know, learning how game design really works in a studio, what you need to do, how to pitch, how to prototype, um, how to, you know, schedule things. Um, So that was just honestly a lucky break, right place at the right time. And also the experience that I'd had in music industry, I kind of, I don't know, knew how to just exist and be myself, you know, and to find opportunities that way rather than pushing for them constantly
0: yeah that's that's really fascinating it's it's awesome that it started with something yeah so innocent not really professionally geared but became an awesome opportunity and i guess the lesson i think for most people in that is let's just be a good person first and engage on a human level and if things happen to work out things happen to work out and i think it's something gets lost not just within game development or but like all industry let's just be people first and foremost and funnily enough things tend to work out all right after that would that be fair?
1: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the people that I love working with are people that I also want to be friends with to a level, you know, in a professional capacity. But having that, that rapport and being able to trust people, I think, is just, yeah, it's really important.
0: So then what prompted the decision to come back at that point? You've obviously, you've gotten settled there. You've you've learned a lot in that time um, and probably just starting to really get the hang of it. And then the decision to come home, how did how did that actually come about?
1: I think I felt like I wasn't quite ready to permanently live overseas or set up my life there. And while I really loved working with that team, what we were working on at the time or kind of the the role that I had, I knew wasn't quite ticking all the boxes for me. I've always been very much putting myself in kind of a creative leadership position. You know, it started with bands being kind of the front man, the main songwriter. And in games, I quickly recognized that that's if I wanted to enjoy it and have that as a career, that's, I needed to place myself in that situation because, you know, I'm good at a lot of things. I'm not the best at anything, but I am really good at getting the best out of other people and I okay. love doing that. I love doing that.
0: And, yeah, yeah well, I mean, what better way than, like, especially when you're at the very beginning of your career, really, to be able to create that for yourself than actually go and create it for yourself and go and start that studio. And so, I mean, things have been tracking pretty well since though, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it's, you know, the last few years have been, hey, I've got a bit of funding or I can kind of work for myself. Oh, back to contracting work for a while. Oh, no, I can kind of do my own thing, back to contracting. Um, And now with a a Halloween valentine and things for humans, um, you know, it's my full-time job for the foreseeable future. Um, which is a really, really cool place to be as an indie developer, um, especially in Australia.
0: Yeah, thank you Vic Screen and Screen Australia for the, all the support there. You obviously mentioned some contracting work and we were discussing one particular piece of work that you got involved with as we were waltzing over here before. What's it been like working on other people's projects, things like working with Samurai Punk on Justice Sucks and in you know, various different capacities and I guess other projects as well? What's, what's all that been like and what have you been able to glean from that time?
1: I think being able to collaborate with a lot of different kind of people, making different kinds of projects, has been really helpful for me. It's been very fulfilling for me, and it is exciting. Um, you know, games typically have like quite a long development cycle. You know, they can take anywhere from two to even six or seven years for some indie developers or even big studios. Um, but I, I like things to be a bit shorter. You know, writing a song might take a, a week or sometimes even just a day. Um, so being able to do small contract gigs for a couple of months, just come in and work on you know, a prototype or yeah. an idea or some design consulting, I did feel like that's something that I could do and, and also enjoy.
0: Any particular games that we can, we're in a position to talk about that you were involved with in that capacity? I'm sure some of them may be unannounced or whatever at this point, but are there any that we can talk about? Um, from the
1: music side, in the very, very early days of Stray Gods by Summerfall Studios, yeah. I worked with them um, on, their, on their first demo song, and that game's gone through a lot of changes and is something you know, fantastic now that I think is quite different to what it started with, but that
0: was a really enjoyable experience. What you're trying to tell me though is that you're really the one that was leading Austin Wintery, right? He, he did what you said right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I've been a mentor
1: to Austin for a long... No. <laughs> no, he's he's really incredible. I'm very excited for, for that game and all of the music in it. Um, another a team that I worked with, maybe rather than a project, was a, a team called Origin Youth Health. And the projects that I worked on with them were kind of video game interventions for people with anxiety yeah, right. and other um, mental health challenges. So, being able to... I guess create stuff that's really meaningful particularly to young people through video games was really exciting and special to me and I really love that that organization and all the projects that they work on.
0: Yeah that's really cool and I guess I mean we were talking about beforehand and I'm sorry listeners you know I've, I've mentioned this I feel like in every episode that I am a teacher professionally and like hearing more and more stories like that that people are look, uh, you know, using games to try and intervene in a positive way of course um to support people young people with whether it's mental health difficulties or whatever the case may be it's it's fantastic to have more of those sorts of things out there and I'm sure also even for you you can learn a lot from that and I'm sure there's there's elements that you can bring across to your own works that aren't necessarily geared for an audience like that in a particular way but would still help the way you potentially approach some of the design aspects you pursue
1: yeah, I think it's helped me realise that the work that I create is not, not just for me and it's not just for entertainment. People can actually use it to express themselves and the work I create can be a voice for people that maybe don't have a way to express their voice um, in, in any other ways. So that's, that's really, really special. Um, another collaboration that I, that I just want to mention as well that is kind of relevant because it was quite recent um, is a song I wrote with um, Samurai Punk for yep. their, their game that just came out called Justice Sucks. So I wrote that with their composer, their composer Mitchell Pasmans. And collaborating with, another, with a video game composer isn't something I'd really done before I'd mostly worked with you know, other pop yep. kind of contemporary songwriters. And I learned a lot from him. Um, so yeah, every collaboration I've had, I've learned something and it's, it's made my art better
0: what does a collaboration like that do for your own work considering you had a very specific path that you're pursuing in terms of how the the music interacts with the more traditional game aspects versus i guess the way the music's implemented in something like a justice sucks which is also far more traditional in that sphere as well what what do you take from that experience that can still translate over to what you're doing despite the, the differences between them
1: I think really just being able to see an, another uh, songwriter, composer, producer work and their thoughts on, you know, how a song should be, how it should be structured, how it should sound, the different melodies. That's, you know, just improved me as a musician and opened up how I think about writing music um, and kind of the the different colours I have in my um, musical palette per se. That's really what I took away from it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, undoubtedly going to be valuable as we continue to develop um, Halloween Valentine Bef- I mean we've obviously spoken very top level about all of these different projects so far but what do you even learn from the likes of Human Rights and uh, and um, Video World along the way and even the fact that certainly and even part, uh, part of the development of Halloween Valentine as well has been kind of impacted by this little pandemic that kind of swept the world how did that kind of influence the way you went about things as well considering there's such a uh, with music you know and obviously it influences people in different ways but that's it's a very emotive way of expressing yourself at times and you're trying to integrate that into a video game experience amidst a very emotional time for a lot of people in the world how do you kind of did did that really influence things in any way at all i
1: I think what i learned um from human rights and video world and the experience of the last few years is that people actually really value fun and comedy and it's something I've been discovering about myself as well as how much I just love to laugh and love to make people laugh um, and you know I think with the success of stuff like Animal Crossing which maybe isn't specifically a comedy game but is so joyful in the way that it's presented being able to bring that into the work that I create both in the music and in in the games has become more and more important to me i really learned that people respond to that people people want to laugh while they enjoy art particularly when it's about you know a serious topic having an emotional message having an emotional song conversation story character or anything having comedy as part of that allows people to access it and experience it you know without it kind of lifts them up and empowers them to experience it rather than bringing them down. Um, And that's something I'm really glad that I've learned in the last few years.
0: And I mean, speaking of learning, what have you learned from just the the releases you have already put out there? I mean, people can go and check out the aforementioned titles already. So what do you take from those experiences that then help inform Halloween Valentine and what you're trying to pursue in that path?
1: I've learned that people really, really do love listening to pop songs in video games. That was something I wasn't sure um, whether... I was right in my hypothesis that they would. Um, So that's been very reassuring and kept me on this path. Um, I've also learned that I I think people really care about story more perhaps than I thought. Um, And being able to tie the story of the lyrics into the story of the game somehow, you know, in the the ways that I've done it already and what I'm trying to do with a Halloween Valentine um, is something that will actually mean a lot to players. So it's something that I've wanted to focus on more. And, and for a Halloween Valentine, I've actually brought on a narrative lead whose background is in comedy, film and TV writing, um, but also writing for queer characters and um, queer performers, writing queer stories. So to have someone that kind of understands a lot about me, to express the stories from my lyrics into the story of the video game, you know, I've learned that people value that a lot. Um, so I can, I can push that even further.
0: When it comes to, I guess, this broader thing about music within games and how it's being implemented, I guess there's another fairly recent example that I blinked on before, but something like a We Are, a we Are OFK, for example, that recently came out. Given that you're still in active development at this stage, do you look across at what, what the team has done and does that inform some of what you do, considering it's, as far as I know, it's been pretty well received?
1: Yeah, people were really excited about that. It's it's had um, a, a lot of hype and you know, huge kudos to their team for... I think doing so well, particularly with the music releases before yeah. the, the game came out, that was really exciting for me to see.
0: Well, even the structure that they released, like that was that was the old episodic model. Of the, considering everything they were doing, I was a bit a bit worried about how that would land at first. But it's just it's been picked up so well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it 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 has. Um, and I think I guess something that that is a little bit different in the way that I approach, you know, my my games, my music games, is that some of the other games that have come out with with lyrics and, you know, kind of with a band or releases to it, is that the characters in the game are the artists, whereas in the the releases that I have, I am the artist. And the music still lives in the world and there's kind of a narrative justification of why the character is singing the song or why the songs exist in the world. Um, But on Spotify, you know, on YouTube, on where you listen to the music outside of the game, it's actually me as an artist. Um, And I think there's really something in that because in the contemporary music world, the artist is really, really important. Like, people love the music, but it's they also identify with the artist or they want to be that artist. Yeah, with, it's, with the
0: creator itself, yeah.
1: Yeah, they kind of... they The brand of the artist is really important um, and that's something that's not that present in video games with, with music and lyrics because they're not real people that are yeah. kind of presented. Um, whereas with a Halloween Valentine, Video World and Human Rights, I'm still presenting myself as an artist. Um, and that's, yeah, I'm interested to see how it unfolds as my kind of games and audience grow.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you think part of that with, with many of these other games, big or small, is often because they're such large teams. So it's hard to kind of identify the the person in there because it's an amalgamation of so many different people and they Artistical preferences and musical preferences and, and the like.
1: Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm not really sure about that, or you know, if that kind of size of a team has much to do with it. Because often you you know you'll still have a creative director, yeah, true, you know, they they're, them, they're, yeah. they're, that it's really their vision. Um, my sense is, or at least with some of the people I've spoken to in this space, is that they don't want to be an artist, and having you know a character or a video game being you know what's presented to the public is more important to them and maybe they want to tell stories that aren't necessarily analogous to their real life yep. they want to tell fictional stories through these songs and and through these games
0: yeah and that's a whole other layer of course that yeah stories can be explored through so yeah really fascinating really really interesting to see how everyone continues to take to halloween valentine as we record this we're about well three quarters of the way through saturday and we've got a day and change to go and i guess how have people been receiving the game so far have you been enjoying that reception has it been really positive you're getting lots of hands and eyes on it
1: yeah i've been really stoked at how many people are you know happy to stop and have a listen have a watch um and how well they've they've responded to the the themes of the game both just the idea of a halloween valentine um pairing, yeah, yes <laughs> as well as you know when i talk to people about the actual narrative that of the game about how themes of you know vulnerability particularly in relationships dating and friendships are quite present in the game people seem to really connect to that and that gives me a lot of confidence that presenting these songs as an artist i'm writing music that's actually about my real life and my real experiences and just putting that in a game you know wrapped up still in a fictional story but it's very very real it comes from a just a real real you know raw place for me and people seem to be connecting with that which is really exciting
0: yeah, I mean, again, that connection regardless of the the form of art that someone's creating is super, super important. So I'm glad that with all those layers we've just discussed that people are really engaging in that level and clearly having a great time. I've, I've dropped by a couple of times and I see people getting right into it and you get a decent crowd huddling around wanting to learn more and asking, like you're doing an incredible job getting around to people and, and fielding questions and chatting to people about the game of, I promise I haven't been watching like a creepy way. Um, but the, like it's been really, really, really good to see that crowd gravitate to you, the game, want to learn about how important it is to you in, in terms of that kind of emotional connection, those sort of things, and then clearly really relating with the experience as they play it. It's, it's been great to see and must be really, really satisfying for you as well.
1: Yeah, you know, having uh, spent so much time you know this year just in development and writing music i haven't had that much of an opportunity to be out there with the people and with the actual audience who who will play this game yeah. but this week and you know pax in particular yeah it's been really heartwarming to see how people connect and giving me that you know that extra spark or extra burst of inspiration to really just keep going for it and knowing that there will be people there that the game will be meaningful to and that it will impact them in a positive way
0: yeah, and what about the fact that, obviously, as you're down on the floor there, there are so many other developers from some really incredible studios locally that I'm sure are popping by and giving it a go and, or watching on and providing feedback. Has there been anything said by anyone who's in the same sphere, in that development sphere, that's been something maybe just scratched in the back of the mind that you'll you know, revisit afterwards or consider afterwards?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been most mostly positive feedback, which is really wonderful. Um But there's definitely been, you know, feedback about how the the puzzles are presented um, or how the UI looks, kind of all those little technical things, which is so helpful to be able to have such a a community that's, you know, we're not competitive against each other. We want to support each other and we want each other's games to be successful. We want them to do well. And I really, really feel that from, from the community. There was one person in particular that mentioned how important the narrative was to them when they played Video World. Yeah. Um. And playing a Halloween Valentine here at PAX, there isn't much of a narrative in the current kind of slice of the game, um. And particularly at somewhere like PAX, it's a bit harder to connect yeah, with that. Want, yeah. Um. And so hearing them talk about how important that was, you know, reminded me that that people really do love that. And I, you know, I think next convention or chance I have to show the game. Finding a way to still show that narrative through a, a demo is, I don't know, it's an exciting challenge.
0: Yeah. The nature of what you're creating and then trying to create a vertical slice of that to, and convey it all would be an interesting challenge, but well, hopefully you can pull it off. It'll be, it'll be great to see. As we start to wind things down, um, the game itself, and I've, I've already heard you fielding this question from others while we're out there, but uh, when do we hope that people might be able to check it out in, in its fullest form? It'll be the end of 2023, early 2024 at this stage. So basically either Halloween 2023 or Valentine's Day 2024, right? Exactly okay.
1: that, yes. Um, and the launch platforms will be on Switch and PC. Um, so then there might be some kind of staggering of the consoles, PlayStation and, and Xbox after that.
0: No, that's awesome. Um, and yeah, as we, as we wind things down a little bit further, I guess cycling back to you more so than the game itself... Is there anyone out there that you've worked with or look at from afar that really inspires the way you go about your work? And that, I guess, could be someone that's more rooted in that musical sphere, but the way they try to go about their work there helps with the way you're approaching things in game design. could be someone within that game design sphere, whatever it needs to be. Is there anyone that really has been particularly important in guiding your pursuits so far? I
1: can't think of any one specific person off the top of my head. Don't worry, everyone else complains about the exact
0: same thing. I, <laughs> I, so I asked for one and they can think of 20, so it's okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think what I will say is that all of, the all of the collaborators that I've worked with, they all bring their own unique approach to creativity, to design, to storytelling, to music, and it, all of it. All of it I try to listen to and it all just inherently influences me. I really love collaborating and I really love being able to kind of learn what I can from the people around me, no matter what levels of experience people have, no matter their background or their reason for, for doing game development or music. I always learn something um, and I think the biggest takeaway from all of it as a whole is that focusing on the creativity and making the process of creating a game joyful for everyone involved just translates so well to the product, to the audience, um, you know, even to the music. That, that joy of creating, people really sense that yeah. when, when they play it.
0: Yeah, that, that's awesome to hear. And um, I guess some lighter ones as we wrap things up, and I'm also seeing a, a lightsaber come towards us, which is bad news for exactly. all of us, but uh, we'll see if we survive to the end of the show. Um, some lighter ones. If you could be credited for any game, you could be responsible for any game, in any capacity. And we could be w- re- rewinding all the way back to something like a Majora's Mask. We could be talking about something more modern, anywhere in the middle, regardless of the reason, regardless of the capacity. It could even be as simple as special thanks. But if you could be credited in any for any game in particular, is there a game you just wish you could have been a part of?
1: I think I'm gonna have to say Portal. That is just such a funny game. That's um, amazing. you know, and then you have, you know, the the song in the credits that, that GLaDOS Sings, it's just hilarious, and I think, you know, being being thanked for being involved in any way on that game uh, would just be an a- absolute dream come
0: true, you know. So, similar question... Well, potentially a similar question or potentially similar answer. If you could strike any game from your memory and get to experience it again, would it be Portal? Would it be something else? I actually think
1: that it would be Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Yep. Like, I've played through it so many times... But there really is nothing like the first time I played it. And I was like, what is going on? What is happening? There was a real magic in just trying to figure everything out. There's so many, you know, the puzzles in that game aren't discrete to a, a room like in Portal. They're kind of across it's the
0: entire world.
1: It's the yeah. entire world. And then also That's across the timeline. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's incredible. And it was really special to experience.
0: And they did it during the Nintendo 64 era. And I really can't think of many games that have been able to pursue something like that since and be so successful.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And I don't know the full story, um, but I kind of heard that they had a really short development time, maybe half the time from yeah. Ocarina. So they decided to reuse a bunch of assets. And I think that just added to the surrealness of the world and I think proves the point about you know restriction really just I think breeds a lot of creativity and innovation
0: yeah because those those assets being used in totally different ways that most people don't recognize until yeah they were told about it so really really fascinating one and an awesome choice thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing the experiences so far sharing all this insight into your game development work so far and importantly for anyone who's listening who wants to learn more about what you're up to on the day-to-day to go find the game where should people go
1: the best place to go is to www.thingsforhumans.studio. There you can find out information about a Halloween Valentine. You can wishlist it. It'll link you to um, my Spotify profile, which is the Artist Monster Mansion. And you can also access my previous games, Video World and, and Human Rights.
0: Please make sure to do so and social media wise if people want to reach out that way.
1: Um, You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram with the tag Monster Mansion with no E in in Monster. That's just what social
0: media does from time (laughs) to time. We totally understand it. So, again, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing this journey so far, and I cannot wait to see how the game develops over the course of the next, well, either year or year and change, depending on whether we hit Halloween or Valentine's Day. Um, I'm really excited to be watching from afar, and... um, yeah, just wish you nothing but the best and thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: You're welcome. This has been such a lovely chat to, to talk about and a great way to wrap up the second day of PAX. Yeah. Cheers.
0: And listeners, as always, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until the next episode, however, that's been Jacob's story. Thank you much for listening, and I'll see you next time.